He's the host that will accidentally, Quotey Fingers, uh, mispronounce the Quotey Fingers book and have you read two books. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Show, episode 262. Welcome to the podcast, paperkeg.com, where three people around the same age get together and talk about a book. This week, they read a book, Monstrous, Marjorie Lou and Sana Takeda. And then we read your letters live to close out the show. Uh, there are three alive hosts to the show right barely. now. Is it? D- does anybody else notice that week by week, Slim is slowly tearing, like separating us? Like sooner, sooner or later, we're going to be three strangers. Get on a mic. Like he is making it so people <laughs> will never remember that we were friends to begin with, and I think that's by design because he's trying to break away. He's nineteen eighty fouring us right now. You know what? Don't ruin it for me. Rowing my schemes. Scheming. Yeah, you're scheming. Three, We're going to derail this whole introduction. Three living hosts. You know, Jonesy's all hopped up on quesadillas <laughs> over there. Mm-hmm. And Smoothie. Let's all get together. Welcome to Smoothie Town. Uh, we have uh, two two folks with the show tonight that I want to introduce to you. You know, maybe it's the first time you're listening. I don't know. No one knows. But we have someone on the show that runs the whole thing. The kitten caboodle. You know, he's making the phone calls for the shirts that we ordered three years ago. He's still making phone calls. He's uh, making connections with, uh, you know, celebs trying to get him on the show. They're reading 100 bullets on Twitter. He reaches out to him, tells him to come on Paper Keg. VP of merch. Podcast former bad boy Dale underscore welcome back it's great to be back slim 262 uh, here we go again down the old water wheel I don't know why I chose water wheel as the means of transportation but you are correct been getting some DMs I got a DM uh, the past couple months asking for shirts I mean uh, you're going to have to pass along your custom ink on co- contact to me and maybe we can make something happen uh, mm. Get the people what they want, you know, to close mm. out this chapter. You know what I mean? This era, <laughs> this era in our Have lives. You, it's the first time you ever alluded I was, to the no, end. No, yes, it's probably the first time. But I was m- merely in a joking <laughs> manner, secretly referring to just the calendar year. Uh, or was he? That's the real question. No, yeah, it's, you know, it's just uh, the month of August. Uh, <laughs> What color shirts should we get this time? Assuming you do all the work, 
What color shirt should we get this time? Well, I don't think I could do all the work because there's no way you would have give me creative control of that kind of selection. No way. Well, the creative control would be. Can I jump in? Oh, the create. No, not yet. The creative control that? that we would allow you to have would be the color. I feel like we should get to get the same shirt with the same logo. At least that's my good. Oh yeah, the same logo for sure. Yeah, with the same white design. Yeah, different color, same fabric. The fabric this time around was dynamite. Love that shirt. Different color. Jen, you, you can know, speak now. Thank you. Uh, beach hairs may speak now. Uh, Dale has this flash shirt that I really like that has like this faded red color, like a like a pre-washed. I don't know if that's the term. That was that was an but, option uh, on our first go around of shirts. Was that like a I, faded red? It, he wears it very well, and it's a very complimentary color to his pallor, and I think maybe that's a suggestion. Thank you for yeah. the uh, record. That was a uh, new, a bright red shirt, but since I only have three T-shirts that fit my disgusting body well, I wear those three shirts, and every time you see me, you have it. There, you only see me in three shirts. Uh, Slim and Jonesy can't account for that, but thank you for the compliment on the shirt. No, it's funny. I, I just can threw wear. Out. I can every shirt order that we get in. I can wear a few times and wash them until they get into that dull red color. Because I've kept the same shirt for six years, because I can't find new shirts that fit me well. Thoughts, Jonesy? Uh, I was just going to say that uh, I recently, uh, as you say, donated. Uh, all my 4X and 3X clothes because I'm pretty much out of them now. Mm. And uh, if you look at my closet, I have like six things to wear. So I feel like I have like the same three shirts and I feel terrible because now my Sting and Peter Gabriel shirt, which is 3X, which started out way too big because I've watched it about, let's say the concert was in June, it's August. I've watched it about 40 times because I wear it three times a week. Great concert, Slim, you missed it. It's like could now be like... um, uh, Britney Spears midriff shirt. I've watched it so much, and the th- the threads have shrunk so much. Just a reminder. Just a reminder. Monstrous, our book club this week, volume one, and uh, we have a writer on the show. You've heard him speak. Mm-hmm. Show Barely. writer. He doesn't write for the show. He's just a writer, and he's on the show. Unpublished. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome. Yeah, unpublished by life choices. You know, um, people. You know what people ask me, Slim. Uh, can we publish you? And I said, dear friend, um, you know, I just can't give you what you need. You know, the commitment <laughs> that, that never to be published. Get out of here. Uh, Slim. And, no, you're right. That absolutely did not happen. That was a, my writing, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> my writing coming right into play. <laughs> so, you know, if you're looking for this kind of talent, folks, uh, I mean, look no further. Then um, I can come up with a lie off the cuff. There's one thing that we've mentioned several times in this podcast is that Jones Jonesy- is a snake. Is a snake, yes. <laughs> but if you ask uh, you know any kind of question, Jonesy will give you an answer and lie, and you know he will believe the lie until the conversation is just not happening anymore. Like you could say, you know, how, what, how much does that engine weigh? Yeah, two hundred pounds, easy. And then and this face. there's no way you can prove that. Incorrect, right? And the so, and the look you know on his f- face, he he believes it so badly. The look on his face, you can't challenge it because he's like, well, obviously he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, it, my wife got to the bottom of it not too long ago, and um, she's like, "You 
use your own logic to figure something out. And even if your logic is 100% flawed, you will not back off of that decision you've made. Like you've, in your own head, you figured it out that uh, that was what you think it is and you'll defend it like it's one of your own children. That's like when you're like, oh, uh, through my own logic, I figured this must be the answer. Even though there could be empirical evidence that will tell me that's not the case. I'd be like, no, I figured it out. So yeah, this is what it is. I'm a snake, pretty much, guys. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it right from the snake's mouth. I am a snake. From the snake's forked tongue, parcel tongue See, mouth. Can you get that? It's a Harry Potter reference right there. Parcel mouth. Parcel. Did you, can you get Jones' t-shirt? Tongue? Whatever. Can you get Jones' t-shirt to say uh, I'm a snake? So <laughs> once you put the order form. Well, so. sure. I mean, but can you put the old Shelby Cobra logo, like the old Cheryl, uh, Carol Shelby mm-hmm. uh, logo from like a 1964? Shelby AC, and then I'm a snake under well, it, and like the old Le Mans lettering. Well, when uh, Slim sends off a, uh, a quick email to his custom in contact introducing me, you know, I'll be able to take the reins and start working on the conversation. I, you know, we'll probably place an order with of such a magnitude that I could probably get at least one done with that. And maybe some of your fans would like a, uh, you know, a Jonesy version of it as well which uh exactly four Guy's people will want and it's me who wants four copies what was the uh tom cruise movie that we saw where like i envisioned you on a phone at a desk in a warehouse talking to the customing people what what tom cruise movie was that where he was the salesman rain man rain man no right. yeah that is rain man you're right see i was about to do it again guys <laughs> yeah oh yeah your 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 eyes had gotten so narrow like you were thinking of the <laughs> it was, right answer. It, you didn't you didn't even hear what dale had said you were already <laughs> saying no you were going to just say no regardless of what the answer was no mr griffin no now we have a big book club right now monstrous volume one there was some monstrous. alleged confusion on Jonesy's part. This week he read a book, uh, Monstrous Volume 1. And it's probably a great book. Probably a great book. You know, Jonesy didn't do his patented double check before he reads the book. And now I'm paying the price. And I got jammed up. And he paid the price. He usually does double all... check. But you know why I didn't? Because somebody you know, laid it on thick last week that, oh, I didn't get 17 verification texts from our private G-chat. So I was like, you know, <laughs> oh, maybe, I, maybe I need to cool out. And here I am reading two books, like some kind of whatever. There reads you go. two books. I mean, you, to be fair, I think you read them like four weeks ago. You read Monstrous. <laughs> so it wasn't a big deal. Now, Monstress, Jonesy, what is Monstress, volume the, one? Don't confuse the two. I have a lot of opinions, so I'm going to try to not color this uh, synopsis with opinions. With red-faded. Mon- red-faded opinions. That should be my blog title. Uh, Monstress. You know, we have a fantasy realm that I think is probably very akin to uh, Final Fantasy, like that realm of... Uh, Semi, did I just click my teeth? Is that why no, you're laughing? I just looked at Dale's tweet. <laughs> Bro, he took a photo of your Google Hangout and it doesn't say, it, it says Christ. I don't understand why it says that, but the the photo is amazing. I guess it says Christopher and it's yeah. like abbreviated yeah. and it says Christ. <laughs> I just saw it on Twitter. I'm sorry. What? 
I don't even have that yet. Where is that at? <laughs> don't keep this all in the final take. Oh, yeah. Cut all this out. <laughs> uh, look at my shoulder. I got a good looking right shoulder uh-huh. there, boys. You do. Um, so anyhow, monstrous. <laughs> yeah, very fun. Very Final Fantasy Seven, mixed mm. with Cthulhu mythology, mixed with anime. Let's call it. And it's the story of a young girl who is like semi spy, semi savior. Uh, you know, messianic uh, figure who um, goes to set about some wrongs, uh, legacy wrongs from her mother and a group of people that were trying to bring these old Cthulhu-type monsters into this fantasy realm. And she herself is connected to one of these monsters, and she's a monstress where she can manifest uh, this creature from her left arm. And... um, you know, very heavily uh, backstory based volume, a lot of mythology setting up what this realm is, and uh, some pretty poignant, um, what felt at times like oil painting art, you know, crossed with anime as we follow this monstrous, this woman connected to this otherworldly monster as she kind of moves through this analogous realm of both modern world and fantasy. Monstress. Monstress. Um, very anime. I mean, very, it was like watching, it was like me in my heyday, 21, 22 years old. Uh, watching Record of Lotus War in your basement. Yeah, get bringing home the Vampire Hunter D from FYE. And uh, get, getting into it for uh, you know Ninja Scroll, it was very, very, Sat- very Saturday morning. We're we're on two different states, two different sofas, mm-hmm. watching you know Demon City Shinjuku on Sci-Fi Channel Saturday morning anime. Probably not even knowing we would be best friends one day. Exactly, you know? that's exactly how it is. I mean, it is like straight out of anime. I mean, it is like Bandai brought me this story. I mean, it is thick with um, thick with anime that I watched as a younger man. Uh, it's got the the monstrosity and the uh, the heroine character, and it's very horrific. But it's also got like the cutie. I kind of like the cute characters, like the little fox girl. It, there's, I mean, it's very heavily influenced with that, and it's and it that's that's the writing. I mean, the artist is a is like an anime manga artist. She lives in Japan, so she that's her specialty. So that I mean, that just whatever story that Marjorie had in mind, whether she meant it to be like Eastern influenced or not, the art really like nailed it home. As being like I'm watching Helsing or something on the on on the page. I um, I'm in slow. I haven't let you speak yet. Do you want to chime in before I kind of go off into my thing? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, I'll, I'll I'll jump back in. All right, let you formulate. So, 
when I first started reading this book, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't typically like books that kind of start in the middle and then give me like way too much data to parse. And this started out that way. So you start kind of like a mid-conversation and um, people are using like jargon and, and conjecture and and then back to jargon and again, conjecturing about the jargon they're using and it's very hard to follow. And then the book kind of takes a step back and you slowly begin to understand like what the world is that you're living in and you know what are these invincible maybe invincible invisible monsters that are everywhere and uh you know what is this semi you know catholic analogous religious culture what is their you know thing why are they so important and i thought it was very admirable that they could throw us in the deep end and not turn a reader off like me. Because I think maybe that uh, that's not atypical to people. Like if they go into a book and it's not presented in a very welcoming way, they might just shut the book and never read it. And this book takes it does a very good job writing-wise of like taking that breath, like this deep breath and then starting over mm. and kind of you know, taking it back to the foundations of their mythology, which is a strange way to write it, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it, in the end, ended up being very good. So I had a low opinion of this book for like the first 20 pages. And then by the end of it, I was like, wow, this is really good. You're, I'm, I'm, I feel happy that you felt the same because I was like reading it the way I did... And the way the story is presented, it feels like Marjorie had and has this whole world built out already. Like she's a dungeon master and this world has been completely, like everything about the world has been custom to her specifications. Like you know there is like this big character bible somewhere right character bible religion bible like it it goes deep because every these one of these characters end up dropping a reference to something that you have no idea what it is or the weight it holds and i think i even by the end had a little bit of a problem with the way like just i felt like by the time three quarters of the way through the book I was I felt like I was getting caught up on the characters we've actually been presented with by three quarters of the way through they're starting to spit and and throw these new terms and new things at you but you're yeah. still trying to catch up with what's actually been presented because they referenced the stuff that's been presented to you they've referenced that p- chapters ago I felt like that the the way the world was presented through dialogue and monologue wasn't it was an experiment on how she presented everything but it wasn't executed yeah i i well. um to be frank i didn't the wasn't for me is going to be my re- my review mm-hmm. oh mark you're back mark thank you and <laughs> you're alive <laughs> you're alive the, the first issue, I actually love. I love Marjorie Lewis stuff in general, mm-hmm. 
but this this world didn't grab me and the introduction to the world is is just this is a personal preference i don't like being thrown into a room where everyone's talking about something and i have no idea what the f is going on i mean it, it felt like most of the book was that way mm-hmm. and it, it felt like i missed an intro issue like describing anything yeah. Like I can only personally, I can only take so much of five characters talking about things and alluding to things without giving me a morsel of something to hold on to. Like it's five issues, 300, 200 pages, but like I, I need more. I need, I need hand holding at a certain point. Because the way these characters talk about uh, a certain group, the dusk cult or the dusk court, the way these characters speak about certain things or that not the head nun lady like you're not giving me any like what's the weight like what's the dra- like is it drastic that these like the dusk court they make it sound like it's a, pr- a drastic group of but i haven't been painted like i don't know if i should be in the same like level of fear as the group because mm-hmm. they're not really fearful of it yet. They're just speaking about how extreme they can be. But I don't really feel that weight. To your point, Trink, um, I think the perfect example of what you're talking about is the cliffhanger that this volume ends on. So we're treated to some flashbacks uh, that, um, and I forget the monstress's name, but she has this like child-like companion, you know, a very young girl who's like, warning her not to go and do what she's doing and, you know, big things are going to happen. And there's this big reveal, you know, spoilers at the end, that the friend is now going to chase her down and get the monster that she's kind of pairing up with. And when I read that page, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, there was no, it was not a reveal that, you know, because I didn't understand, right, the depth of the relationship. I wasn't at no point was that presented to me that I should care about that partnership. Right. We only, yeah, they only really showed that character in like the first issue and then they don't appear like she leaves the best friend against the best friend's wishes. And then they're supposed to meet up and she doesn't show, but there's no like gravity to that decision. Mm -hmm. There's not enough for me to hold on to to care over the course of four issues where you don't hear about this character again. Mm-hmm. And then they just appear as the Baroness that is essentially leading this group of like X force in this world, which I presume is, you know, the, this, this like group. And in my head, like, how did they, how did she become the leader of this group? This girl has only been gone for like two days. Like yeah, was she and- the leader of the group before that time. And it was just never mentioned. But essentially, like, who cares? Like, nobody knows why it's important. And maybe I'm being unfair because the next volume will deconstruct it for us, but, like... But, yeah, you, okay. but you're right. They don't... They never show you the gravity of the situation that these two friends were in. Like, they were in prison and they fought over food. But whatever happened since then, you don't know. You're just supposed to know it's been... Like, it's a serious situation because the font of the lettering of, like, the monologue when she's uh, wishing her friend Mm. and she could see her again. 
Like, and the only thing that, the only thing I could draw comparisons to, which is very unfair, but like something like the Autumn Lands and Kurt Busiek's world building. And this is a completely separate world with separate uh, themes. But I just feel like even if it was the same world with the same themes that I might not even still have an interest in, Kurt Busiek would be able to like paint me a more yeah, descriptive picture. You're, you're picture. talking about comparing this to like the Maestro. I mean, that's yeah, that's an unfair comparison. It, it's very unfair, but with a book of, of this weight and this like uh, like encyclopedic in uh, the Bible of characters that's going through it. Like it, you kind of need to like invest in that. I don't know a little more. The, the human, like the book opens with this female team of like doctors doing, you know, weird surgeries on the, the, what are they called? The, the, wit, um, the arcanics are the arcanics. The arcanics. Yeah. They're like, you know, I guess you could call them mutants, but, the 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 introduction to the characters doing the surgery on the arcanics was weird because they built like they showed a lot of dialogue with the women that were doing the surgeries and it almost tried to humanize them in a way that I wasn't comfortable with mm-hmm. like I in a way like these people are evil I don't want to see their conversations and having conversations about caring about each other and then their mother like I it's like difficult for me to parse them being so evil and doing these things to children and then wanting to sit through conversations. Like, I don't, I don't want to read this. And that was like a weird, because the characters die, but then they come back and then you're treated to like these two women who are in love. But like in the back of my head, like you were doing evil things to these young kids. Like, I'm still uncomfortable, like being told to care about you absolutely right weird situation and and that even the uh you know when they get together and they kiss after she rips her bandages off and then like Mm -hmm. the the friend meets up with her brother and is maybe like a double agent yeah but what she's gone through and what she did like you still can't just because uh she might have did this for the greater good she still mutilated kids and killed them for the sake of whatever. Like, I don't get... Yeah, you're right. The, um, also, the one, the one thing... Um, the, the Final Fantasy references and anime manga stuff I totally didn't get because I didn't really grow up on that stuff, but it makes sense now. Also, the art... I, we haven't mentioned the art at all, or really, but the art is absolutely stunning mm-hmm. in this book. It There's is. There's so many splash pages that are, look like they took weeks to draw. It's beautiful. Com- it's completely hyper detailed and it's gorgeous mm. in this like fantasy hyper fantasy realm. And it's very anime with like the tentacles and the uh, the monsters, yeah. but it, it's it's so funny that in in contrast we were having a, a slack conversation about panels and their lack of detail in other books. And this book it, you're like how is so much art getting done? In this issue, because it's taken forever, it's amazing. the The one other um, thing that kind of I found strange was the di- I think the dialogue was un. I don't want to say uneven because I'm not a writer. And I I feel like I'm not qualified to call dialogue uneven, but 
there was a struggle with the dialogue to be grounded in this world, but also still grounded in our world. Yeah, like, like the cursing. curse word side of yeah, problem. Yeah, and then how she reacted to certain situations was a little too earthy, mm-hmm. and it didn't it didn't jive with me in like this fantasy realm. Why they still well, had these moments of conversations where they're like Americans, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think Slim, that's maybe where the biggest Final Fantasy reference misses for you, because I think the most certainly the the most recent Final Fantasy games, and I think I've, I've only played seven or eight, so it's not recent, it's probably 20 years ago, are basically our language, our social atmosphere set in a fa- fantasy realm. So that's uh, I was okay with that because I've been exposed to that before. But uh, Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, with like, she only says two words and one of them is the F word, the whole book. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, action movie level of mouth. Yeah, she's like a loner action movie star in this book. Jonah, did you finish that quesadilla? Get your I thought out. Um, I, I didn't, my inter- so, my interruption uh, uh, thought wasn't long enough for him to be able to finish. To, um, I apologize, I haven't eaten all day. Um, so one of the things I wanted to say, I guess a closing thought for me, I really saw through to the core of what uh, Marjorie Lou was trying to do here. And it, this book is really about challenging the fantasy genre. And do I have to do a, a, a yarn, you know, a hobbit lived under a hill? You know what I mean? Do I, like, can I start it in a way that challenges the genre? Can I... Uh, you know, challenge things like sexuality and gender and, and these big concepts. Can I do that in this fantasy setting? And, you know, just flip it on its head. And I, as as a reader, I appreciate that. You know, especially jumping into new territory, deconstructing everything you know about fantasy. Like, these are big things to tackle as a writer. And so there's a, an appreciation that I have for her and trying to tell the story. Um, but it, it would not shock me if this were her first attempt to write fantasy and this was just kind of like her fleshing it out because it feels like a world that's fleshed out on paper but as a story mm-hmm. it is very hard to follow and as I said it, it, this might all be fixed by the next volume right? but you know if you're you're picking up Monstress issue 1 through 4 on a rack it, it could be very hard to dive into this is not a very welcoming world for and, and, a, a new reader. And conversely, you know, we had differing opinions on this book. And I actually talked to Amanda, my wife, about us doing this book. And I told her that I it was tough for me to get through. And she's like, oh, I loved it. Mm. And she's not your prototypical reading for 20 years. Wow. She's essentially a new reader. And she had the, you know, the complete opposite reaction. Right. And you know what is? And part of Marjorie challenging, right? Her challenging the, the genre and the medium is we're the people that she's challenging. We're the readers that she's mm-hmm. she's kind of trying to to not go up against, but trying to you know challenge our concepts because we're coming to this as twenty plus years comic readers and twenty plus years you know 
fiction readers, like to us, like this is just something we're going to parse and process and have an opinion about. You know, this could be the book that gets a shy 16-year-old girl into reading because she just connects on a level with these characters. So that's an angle that we're not able to explore as 35-year-old parents who've been reading for 20 years. Then mm-hmm. you know, I often lose sight of that because I don't remember what it's like to 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 feel emotionally feel emotions so strong, and, and that you know when you're so young. And this could be a book that connects with a lot of people that are in a younger generation than us. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's exciting to feel like the energy. It feels like she's this could be a movie this could be an animated series i mean there's not nothing there oh yeah i mean it just it feels exciting because it seems like marjorie has this definitely has this whole world thought out and she just was get she wanted to get to telling the story so you can hear about the dusk court and in her brain yeah the dusk court are these uh this vicious highly organized gang and telling that story to you like hoping she was probably hoping that you would feel the same way by the story's end and it doesn't but in her head like all of these things have weight and you know like and like you said i mean the more she's able to flesh out this world or tell more stories inside of it there's definitely uh you can definitely tell she's at a full court press at a full sprint to get somewhere you know what I mean? She hits the ground at a full sprint. We just have no idea where she's going. Right. And I think until we both, the reader and the writer, arrive at that same place, it's it's going to continue mm-hmm. like this. And and somebody like Naminity reading it, I mean, she probably doesn't, she doesn't need to expect, uh, you know, why yeah, she has no expectations of the genre, powerful, not really. And that and we could, I could have read it on a different day and and had the same feeling. So it could all it could all go either way. At any point, man. If if someone were to hashtag this uh, podcast, it would be hashtag ambivalent. Mm-hmm. You know, and, have, and what is it? Hashtag what? Ambivalent, <laughs> ambivalent. One of your favorite words? Cashew, <laughs> lozenge. <laughs> I don't think cash cashew isn't one of my favorite words. <laughs> ambivalent. That's one of your cashew. favorite yeah. snacks. I think it's it not is one, one of my, of my favorite, favorite snacks. I love cashews. <laughs> Uh, Monstrous Apple Slices Volume 1 We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To you Letters at paperkeg.com You shoot us a letter We might read it on the air Our first uh, letter from friend of the show at top five bananas uh subject love you babe uh i'll tell you what that's probably the the thing that i say that i thought would never catch fire that continues to haunt me as we say in babe uh hey fellas lately a lot of listeners have been writing in some very heartfelt letters expressing gratitude for what you do and describing what you mean to them To an outsider, this may seem strange. Why would a comic book podcast be talking about feelings and emotions? But to those of us who share this deeper connection, we know this is much more than a simple comic book podcast. Uh, What you three gentlemen have created is a community, a team, a family. 
and I am so proud to be part of the family. Uh, I am not a man with many friends in real life. I'm not a member of any teams. I don't have any guy friends I get together with for, with for drinks. Uh, for work, I'm a field service tech, so I spend a lot of time driving alone from one service call to the next. Yet, on these drives, I'm never truly alone. I've got Jonesy riding shotgun, his vampiric skin blinding me through my sunglasses. I've got Slim and Dale in the back seat, making last-second book club changes and an A-shares members-only private G-chat. Uh, you know, Top 5, you have no idea how accurate that last statement is. Uh, two books, four days, all I'm saying. And I've got Nieto, Matt H.H., Troy to the Max, and so many others hiding in my trunk, whispering troll comments to each other as we journey through my day together. So thank you. Thank you for creating this amazing family. Thank you for accepting me into it and making me feel like a member of Team Paper Keg. With all love, I'm sorry, no, I can't read. Uh, we all love you, babe, at Top 5 Bananas. Great letter, thank you. Amazing letter. Yeah, it's very sweet. Uh, top five. Thank you very much. Uh, I love my the, the personal references and inside things in a letter referencing is probably my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Most of the, I think, friends of the show have better memories than we do. Absolutely. About uh, references made on the show. I think it comes down to me constantly running off the mouth. I spit so much BS. I have you now 4% recall. <laughs> Of the the crap that comes out of my mouth. Uh, he did follow up with a, a quick listener lightning round. Uh, he writes, Skull Panda loves everything. A roughly drawn, darkly comedic webcomic. Though the jokes often fall flat, when they do hit the mark, they are pure gold. Tell you what. Uh, Classic Skull about Panda. About jokes falling flat. I, uh, Amanda and I started watching Keanu. The cat movie? That? Yeah, it, it felt like uh, like I'm I've been trying to get into their show, the Key and Peele show. Like everyone that I know, great show, is obsessed with that show. I said but the, the movie is very strange. It feels like an extended skit. Mm. Like it's not like a <laughs> well production movie. It's like it's a skit that's like ninety minutes long. Really, and you're in it for the long haul. It's very strange. <laughs> like if you're not familiar with their work, you're like, what am I even watching? Uh, did you ever watch Fargo on FX? TV show? No. Yeah, they're in the first season. They 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 play you know partners that uh, I believe they're detectives or whatever. But when they work together in small doses, I think they're hilarious. I think maybe they're just still finding their feet when it comes to you know stuff outside big, of the show. Roles. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think they're made. They're geniuses. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff I've seen outside of the show, like the. The teacher, the teacher draft, is like some of the most brilliant comedic. We watched uh, stuff some Peel at PK VK three. Mm-hmm. Remember, we said the uh, the I said skit A A B. Oh yeah, I said B. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a ton of that show in clips, clip form only. I haven't watched like an episode. I've only watched like a couple episodes straight through, but the clips, man. They are amazing. The uh, the Terry's. Did you see the Terry skit? Yeah. The Terry's on the plane. It's not funny when I said it. it was fun. uh, <laughs> I mean, I almost called you Dale underscore key. <laughs> the last letter uh, comes from a new writer, I believe Drew Hamilton. 
He uh, tw- he's a uh, he tweets us often. First time letter writer. Uh, subject Kindle. He must have been uh, picking up on Slim's paperweight talk. I too recently picked up a Kindle paperweight and really enjoy it. Just finished Moonraker from the James Bond series. Started as a slow burn, but by the end was very hard to put down. Has anyone in the group read any of Fleming's Bond series? I recommend checking that out if you like the spy genre. Oh, yeah. Uh, Drew, we once, a long time ago, did another show called Book Jug. You know, it's it's in time memoriam. It's no longer, you know, something that we produce on any kind of of semi-regular basis. But we did do uh, uh, Dr. No. The uh, Dr. No? What do we do? What was the book? What was the first book? Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Oh, my God. Take my Bond card from my wallet, my James Bond fan (laughs) card. I don't deserve it anymore. Uh, So we did Casino Royale for Book Jug. Um, We did the audiobook version uh, with a great uh, reading by Simon Vance. And Simon Vance actually did our bumpers for us for Book Jug. And now it just sits in dust like Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And uh, a boarded up box, Ark of the Covenant, Time Advance bumpers. Yeah, you know, check it out, book jug. It might still be hosted somewhere. Simon Vance is probably like, wonder what happened to that podcast I did. There's yeah. a waste. The of time best part of that story is like he's like, I, you guys only wrote enough for like ten minutes. So if you guys want more, just email me back. And we're like six years later. No, it's okay. Well, yeah, you're good. Fine. Simon, I don't think we need to write it. I don't think we need your services anymore. Honestly. So, Jonesy, have you read any of the other novels? Uh, through my lifetime, I've probably read half of them. I really enjoyed the uh, short stories that Fleming did later in his career, like 007 in New York is a great short story that probably will never be made into a movie. Uh, so there's, they're, they're great books, and um, they kind of made me fall in love with the idea of a book being a travelogue. So a lot of the earlier books read as like Bond just traveling somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ian Fleming himself was was a, a kind of a world trotter. So he would do these trips and then write book Bond books about them. So like when he goes to Jamaica, you get all the sights, sounds, scents, what it's like to travel there, what the culture's like. And, and that's like a hidden gem of the Bond books that you, does not translate well to the movies. With the exception, I think, of maybe the remake of Casino Royale was very world-trotting. So they they are hidden gems. They're great mm-hmm. books. I mean, it, they're from a different era, so they might, you know, if you're a sensitive reader about some subjects, you might be turned off. But if you can, you know, realize the fact they were written in the 50s and 60s, and you'll have a good time reading them. They have they have a lot to offer still. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. The uh, I read the first three, and they were they're just great. I mean... The way Fleming writes Bond, and his in uh, his thinking brain, like he's constantly hyper aware of his surroundings and stuff, is very good. Uh, you know, the salary men that make Hazard pay, I think, is how he describes himself in the first novel. <laughs> Great book. Let's start a podcast where we just do. Uh... <laughs> do Do you want to? You know, Bond Jug. You know Bond what I mean? Jug. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, there you have it. Let's see what our next book is. We'll talk about it out loud. We'll get Could you mispronounce it in a Gen way Z. that would make me read two books? We'll get a little mm. confirmation going for Jonesy here to avoid any kind of long nights 
Oh, you know what's coming up soon? Mm. What's that? Papercake Nights. Back on the schedule, Pluto Volume 1 through 4. Oh, we had moved it. Baby. I think it's, uh, looks like the week before Q3 16. <laughs> Why well, are we going to be pushing that off again? Is that what you said? Oh, God. Oh, boy. Uh, next book club, Amulet Volume 1. Ooh. Hot property. Changing the game. Changing the game up. Scholastic. Mm-hmm. Dear friend of the show, Scholastic. Absolutely. And then, ho- I mean, I, hopefully, I, those, synonymous with paper keg. If you really think about it, it's gonna, if those Scholastic fans stick around for the next week, they can tune in for some insects, sexts. So hopefully, those young listeners don't stick around too long. But we'll see everybody next week. We love you. Just around the corner again. Oh my god! So I, I could I could hear the cold feet in my headphones. Maybe we need the mere to, idea. Maybe we need to get it done before Q three sixteen. Maybe we skip insects, and then we take a week off to get ready for Pluto. Oh yeah. Hmm. Week off. That's so sweet when you say it like so, that. Say it again. Hold on. So we do. What's the next book? Amulet. We just so said amulet. So we do amulet. We take a week off. Two weeks of Pluto. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's a suggestion. It's an idea. I'm just trying to make it so that you're mentally comfortable reading Pluto. No, I I'm fine reading Pluto. No, come on. Let's yeah, just talk. I, we're going to talk Pluto about it. Together. Step we're going to the edge to see my world below. <laughs> Is that Collective Soul? Mm. Take me away. They had some hits. And the comes what. down. Yeah. They were just what in was Philadelphia. That one, what was one of their later hits? Uh, Shiver or something or other? Mm, I don't Collective know. Collective Soul. Mm-hmm. Hits. Let's see what we got here. What was the big hit? December Promises? Shine. Was that, was that what was it, it was? Shine. Shine was like their first hit. Hey December. December was from their, their second album was like, you want to talk about an album that defines a year or two in a, in a kid's yeah. life? Tell us. A kid like Dale and Collective Spray? Soul's second album was heavily on my playlist when, in, uh, when I was 15, 16, something like that. 
15. We were four. 14, slim. 15. I think we were just toddlers. When it yeah. came. You didn't know music then. You were just listening there to was Raffy. A, there's a, f- a fast song. I feel like Collective Soul did and Now I can't see it in this top 20 list. Gel? Bull. No. It was really fast and it was short. Precious Declaration? Uh, Dale's flipping over the liner notes of his uh, Collective Soul albums right now for those who can't see us. Precious Declaration? That doesn't sound right. Let's see if I can pull it up here. They were just in. Uh, they were just at Festival Pier, Penn's Landing, with the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, of course they were. But uh, I would like to just they're see them like those, by themselves. They're at like ninety-three-three MMR summer concerts or some such. I mean the MMR barbecue. Like fuck <laughs> the MMR barbecue. I'm not you th- Precious Declaration, that's I'm, not it. I'm trying to tell you that I want to go see them live. You don't have to rip, them, rip me down and rip <laughs> them down in front of me. <laughs> it's going to bug me that I don't know what song this is. Um, what's the one? On your way. Bring, oh, is it Down? Bring Me Down? Is that a song that they did? Mm-hmm. That's it. Just hit me. It falls on me. Yeah. Oh, man. Love that song. Holy hell. Holy hell. I wanted to get married to that song. (laughs) Make love to it. To collect his soul. That's probably what people do when they go to the MMRBQ. They see, like, live. They see Ed Kowalczyk and Collective Soul. You know? Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I didn't want to infer. Oh, it was uh, headlined by Philadelphia's own The Hooters. You know, oh God! The Hooters, Pierre Robert's dude. favorite homegrown band. I, I, the, Pierre Robert and the Hooters maybe quit Philadelphia radio for several years. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Jeez, that guy. taking it out on Pierre Robert. Ninety-three-three was a because Pierre Robert. I don't want to get into it. No, I don't get let, into no. It. Let's get into it. It's the fireside. Let's get into it. People are super interested in local Philadelphia radio politics. Let's be why Pierre Robert. I don't care about the Hooters. Period. That guy loved the Hooters, played the Hooters all the time. I don't give a rat's ass. But 93.3 MMR just... I don't think he played the Hooters all the time. 94.1, they they got to a certain point where they just don't play new music. They're in the era that they're going to be in for the next 20 years, Mm -hmm. and they stayed there. That's true. It gets so annoying. Don't take it down on Pierre Robert. What's wrong with me? Taking out Pierre Robert. What do you got? You guys hanging he's just, out? He's like a gentle soul. Like he's just, he just likes me. I thought you were about to music. say, do you have stock in Pierre Robert? I thought I was I about that's to. Exactly. You're about, you're about, you about to rip me down. Yeah, you're about to rip me down. <laughs> Falls on me. Bring me down. Down. Song is amazing. I mean, just because, like, true, he could be just a cog in the machine because he's been there forever. He's been there like 40 years, but Dude, I that's mean, radio. That's I'm FM not, radio, I'm, man. That's just, that, that's not, that doesn't mean it's good. No, it, it does not. You right. are absolutely right. It does not mean it's good. Man, this is a bummer of a fireside, guys. <laughs> I mean, 104.5 is like all you have in Philadelphia if you want to hear newish music, newish rock-ish. Mm, I don't even I don't know, know how. Wrong. I don't even know what you do. You probably just, I don't even I can't put on FM radio. I can't do it. It's awful. Mm-hmm. 
Sometimes Dale and I just text about the music selection on 90s Online. That's a true thing that we do. I mean, the whole idea of Sirius XM just blows my mind. That, that stuff just seems like the most convoluted thing ever. You need to get, like, a box in your car. You got to pay a monthly thing to pay for radio. Ugh. Oh, boy. You know? I don't mean to just... I feel like I'm just crapping on Dale. I, 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 I spoke mildly negative about Pierre Robert. Hooters, but but and now I'm but, saying Sirius XM is just I can't wrap my head around it. It just boggles the mind. Sirius XM radio in my head. If you were, if you knew what it had to offer, I don't think you would be so uh, negative, Nancy. It's, it's got a trillion. It's got a trillion channels. It's essentially got Spotify channels. Like yeah, it's, it was. It's like Spotify. It was, bef- but it was before you could have that kind of stuff on a smartphone. You know what I mean? And you're not eating up data, I guess. That's one of the pulls, I guess. Mm. Right? And you don't need to, like, and any new car in the past 10 years, if your car's 10 years, maybe 15 years old, you have it built into your car. Mm -hmm. But, yes, it's it's tough. It was tough to wrap your head around in the beginning. It feels, if, if, if I can be honest, it feels antiquated. The idea of satellite HD radio feels antiquated. It's probably why they're, I mean, Man. they're probably bleeding money. Look, if you stop the tape here, you can see the part where Dale's heart is breaking. <laughs> Just a screenshot of Martin. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not Martin. I'm not uh, satellite radio. Uh, I'm not satellite radio spokesman. I'm just saying you're, you're a shell. I would never turn it off of satellite radio, you know, radio and listen to Philadelphia listen, radio. Dale. Mark McGrath, 90s on 9, 120 you know, downtown Julie Brown. I'm, I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you, Thank you. and fight this fight. Shocking. It's not shocking. Shocking, the fave <laughs> shocking would, is somebody standing would, up to would you. Agree God forbid something. somebody stands we, up we to should, you. We should, as soon as you say shocking, we should go to the hang-up sound. <laughs> Dale's going to tweet about uh, satellite radio, and then there's going to be a fave three seconds after that tweet goes out. <laughs> And it's going to be from Jonesy. Listen, we pick each other up, you know? I don't understand it. <laughs> screenshot. Harry Potter screenshot. Harry Potter's <laughs> picture. Harry Potter picture. Got him. That means I got him. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean... No, I take it all back. It doesn't mean you got me. <laughs>